Hi, fellow rewatchers. Before we start today's episode, we wanted to address the content of this podcast in light of the recent attacks in Paris and Beirut. This episode does contain a mention and short discussion of a terrorist attack in Paris as related to the plot of episode 14 of Highlander the series, For Evil's Sake. We recorded this episode over a week before the harrowing attacks on Friday and felt it necessary to acknowledge the timing of this week's episode in the wake of these real-life tragic events. Highlander Rewatched is saddened by the events this weekend, and our hearts go out to all those affected. Highlander has always had an international fan base in the truest sense. Paris served as the physical and emotional backdrop to the series and gave Highlander the je ne sais quoi that set it apart from other shows at the time. We hope that everyone's loved ones and friends are safe, and we hope this episode can help lighten your day. We have chosen not to edit this episode in light of the attacks. With that said, on with the episode. You're mad, Kyler. Maybe. Maybe I'm just trying to excel at what I do. Didn't you ever want to be the best at something? But it means nothing to you? On the contrary. It means everything. I would have thought you'd have understood me better than that. I was never very good at anything else. As a kid, there was always someone faster or smarter. Did you know I have a very pleasant singing voice? It's good, but not good enough for grand opera. It's the same with my tumbling. So you kill. We all have to do something. Welcome to Highlander Rewatch, the podcast where we rewatch each and every episode of Highlander the series and discuss it in detail. To kick it off, we're going to start with a quick question, which is what time period would you most like to see a flashback of in this show? Um, this is Keith speaking, one of your rewatchers. I think my favorite time period to flashback to is like Victorian era London, uh, kind of like a Dickensian sort of time period. Uh, you piece of shit. Is that yours? That's what I was going to say. Ah! Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I think I would do like a Dickensian London, London town, uh, partially because I like the way th- I think I, it's mostly because I like the way they dress, yeah. even though it's like the dirtiest and dingiest like era, it would seem I like the way they, they, they dress. I like the way they talk. <laughs> Harry Potter. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, I was thinking it'd be cool, like a Highlander immortal Sherlock Holmes mystery. That could be cool. Yeah. Fertile ground there. How about you? I'm going to say I want to see Duncan in the United States in, like, the 1970s because I want to see him in, like, bell bottoms. <laughs> oh, that would be awesome. And, like, wearing a vest, like, a leather vest with, like, the long hair going. I think it would be good for some laughs. Very good. Also, I would really like it if he had really strong opinions about Nixon in some way. <laughs> like, maybe one way or the other. <laughs> or, like, you could see, like, a transition of Duncan as, like, 50s suburban house dad, and then he, like, starts taking the LSD and getting a little <laughs> wacky and lets his hair down a little bit that could be fun all right so we are your rewatchers keith kyle and amen and to start off this episode we're gonna just talk real quickly about uh, some reader mail we've got uh regarding the episode revenge is sweet which is the episode starting starring vanity and christopher orth so uh dominic s uh wrote in a couple times with some some trivia for us so I, i'm gonna paraphrase his emails just to keep things moving along um but one thing he mentioned was that um german tv had actually partially financed that episode of highlander i guess and and in some cases more of the season so they wanted christopher orth to star in it like that was part of the package deal that they would put up some financing money they got kind of first air rights in germany uh but christopher had to star in it also he mentioned that the uh the episode order in europe is different than in america uh as far as like all the early episodes like all the the vancouver seacouver episodes in america they were all kind of jumbled out of order like and we, we we mentioned some production numbers early on in the podcast uh they didn't match up with the air dates at all apparently in europe they were all aired in their correct production number order all through the season which is cool um and then he also mentioned that in the uk that they released the gathering the very first episode the pilot and 
Revenge is sweet as a like they edited it together in a confusing movie. So both of these plots, like Vanity and Slan the Cat, were going on at the same time. I don't even I can't even imagine how that pieces together. I'm kind of really curious. I'd want to see it. In I'm, I'm Slanity. It doesn't. <laughs> I see what you did there. <laughs> yeah, I don't like how could you make those two into one thing? I don't know. I, I'm just picturing it being a super intense editing project where they force Connor to talk to Vanity at some point yeah. <laughs> through the power of editing. <laughs> also, there are two kidnappings by two different people. Yeah. It's just like... Uh, so they meet Richie in the same episode he becomes a car salesman. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. So jumping into episode 14, For Evil's Sake, this first aired February 20th, 1993. Uh, it was directed by Ray Austin, uh, oh. which is surprising. It's not actually a uh, French director for this production. Yeah. Um, and he's the one that's done all those Zara things. We've talked about him a bunch. Um, the writer on this episode is David Abramowitz. Um, he wrote the teleplay, uh, and then the story for it was written by Fabrice Bielkowski. Yes, uh, and who was a French writer. Uh, but we should talk a little bit about David Abramowitz. Uh, he was like uh, the creative script supervisor and mm. uh, one of the uh, producers on the show. Um, he didn't write a lot of episodes, but yeah, he was like the creative consultant. And when he really stepped in, um, like kind of around this period, like midway through the first season, the show really changed. I think you can credit him a lot with turning Highlander around. Uh, I think it was, you know, I've, we've talked a bunch about how it's still kind of finding its footing these early episodes. And yeah. I think he's the one that you can really give pretty much all the credit to, to like making it find its voice and giving it direction and, uh, so yeah, he worked on most of these episodes uh, from here on out, and it's really great. Good job, David. Indeed. And then we have uh, Peter Howitt as the evil mime Kyler. Kyler. It took me a long time to figure out what this guy's name was. Like the first like three times people said, it, I was like, "Huh? Kelly? It's even harder to spell. I had to look it up, and it's like it's not spelled. There's a there's a there's an extra U in there. A U in there that I don't think we're used to. Kyler Minogue. Very good. Uh, Very good. But yeah, he, he's done a decent amount of TV, but like he's transitioned into acting, I noticed. Uh, like in 2007. From acting to acting? I'm sorry. <laughs> he transitioned to directing. <laughs> oh, directing. <laughs> it's method acting. I have to, there you go. to pretend to be an actor to be an actor. Um, uh, no, but he, he started doing directing. He actually directed Johnny English, oh. which is like the Rowan Atkinson, like yeah, James, James, James Bond like spoof yeah. thing. What about Johnny English Reborn? I don't know if he directed mm. that one. I just want to say something about um, this episode before we get too into it. The screenshot on Hulu, if you have Hulu, <laughs> is just a mime screaming in a person's face. And it's the funniest thing I've ever seen. Is that in the episode? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I don't remember that part. Yeah. It's great. Uh, and so let's uh, get the IMDb episode description here. Uh, Duncan witnesses a murder committed by a mime. <laughs> <laughs> Boom. Yep, that's it. Uh, and he recognize it, recognizes it as the M.O. of the assassin Kyler, an immortal responsible for the death of a French baron Duncan once protected. An immortal fucking assassin mime. Mime, yep. Mime. Perfect. Also, just to say for a second, this was definitely a title in search of an episode, right? For evil's sake. Like, it's just kind of a punny name, I guess. But why is that the name of this episode? I have no idea. It makes no sense because Kyler's evil, Kyle. Yeah, so is every other <laughs> villain we've encountered ever forever in this show. True enough. <laughs> <laughs> so someone just had that, like, in the bin somewhere. I'm like, all right, yeah, whatever. We can't think of something better. I like to think they went through, like, ten different mime puns before they got to this one. Ooh, what could be a good mime, t- mime title? The Silence of Evil. Mime time? Mime time. <laughs> Mime's running out. Mime. Mime, mime is of the mime is of the essence. That's good. Quickening in a box. Hey. Mime Angelou. <laughs> what? I don't know. Sorry, everyone. So we, we the episode starts with a mime performing on the street. And can I just say, I mean, I know mime is a French art. Nobody has ever enjoyed a mime's performance this much in history. Yeah, the crowd is loving. This. <laughs> they are eating this shit up with a spoon. <laughs> And it's not even that elaborate. Like, it's just some guy, like, kind of gyrating. He's walking on his head at first. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) They intercut between three different mime scenes, I guess. So the first mime is in front of, like, a a restaurant or something. He's he's bouncing around, and then he ends up pulling out a gun on this guy who just looks like Roger Sterling from... uh, 
Mad Men. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and then it cuts. So we're out in like the burbs somewhere. It's like the, it looks like it's the morning. Yeah. And like this guy's walking to work or something. And Maybe. this mine pops out of nowhere. Like behind a tree. Yeah, there's Which, nothing around. This is alarming. Nobody else is around. If a mime just popped out. That's nightmare shit. Yeah. Uh-huh. I, yeah, there's it's not like he's putting on a show for a crowd. It's like a single man. Yeah, this is like it is coming for you. Yeah. So he pulls out a fake knife right. and like stabs the guy. This is this work. is where the Hulu screenshot is for all oh, you okay. Hulu viewers. And then we cut again. I like that. Another restaurant. We cut again to another mime at a different restaurant, and he pulls out a giant gun and confronts like an old man. So anyway, all these people are like fairly terrified by this. Like, and the the one mime pulls out a gun. This old man like cowers in terror. Like he gets up. Nobody does anything. Right. This, he, he, like, trips over chairs. He's falling. Like, this is nuts. <laughs> no, nobody's doing anything. Well, with the, with the guy. Well, with well, like, the, like what? What are we suggesting that they do in this circumstance? Run, I would at least run. Run or, like, scream. Call for the police. Like. I would run. Well, when he pulls the gun out initially, nobody reacts at all. Right. Like, they're all just sitting there like, oh, this has got a gun. And the mime's like, oh, look, I have this gun here. Like, weird. Well, it's like, <laughs> well it's, it is unsettling, but, like. People are like, oh, it's part of the show. Well, okay, I will give I'll give that a pass, I guess. But like then then all these mimes like deploy their scheme, which is like like the guy fake stabs the guy and he's like, Oh, it's fake. The guy pulls the trigger on the one gun and a flag, a comes, flag out. comes out and yeah. the other gun is a lighter. Right. The thing that killed like these people are terrified. Like again, especially that old man who is tripping oh, over He's on the ground. He's on the ground, <laughs> yeah. scooching back. He's like, No, don't kill me. Oh, he's not yelling or anything. It's only the old man who's truly terrified. I guess yeah. they look uncomfortable. Yeah. Like, uh But then when it's revealed that it's a joke, everybody thinks this is the funniest yeah. thing they've ever seen. Yeah. Like the guy who's on the ground, he's like, Oh, you got me. Like <laughs> you weren't gonna shoot like me in the head. With the yeah, rage. I made a fool of myself. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. But then the big twist. And then we do kind of round robin back around to this whole thing, and it turns out that was a ruse, and all these weapons like are activated, and they're now real. So the one guy gets shot in the chest, the one guy gets stabbed in the, the, the chest, and then the third guy, the old man, gets a headshot. Like this yeah. is like John, no, there, there this is like John Wick, and he's just yeah. bam right in the head. There are it's two like, headshots. It's like this is two p.m. UPN yeah. afternoon television. <laughs> it's brutal. And there are John You see Wick the bullet hole on his forehead. Yeah, it's yeah. insane. Yeah. yeah, which I thought that was really well edited, actually. Oh, I, I, I like the way all these things yeah. cut together. It's fun. Yeah, that was, a, that was clever. I have a problem with the park guy, though, because there's nobody around. Why don't you just run out and fucking stab him? Like the park guy is out of place. Yeah, there are no witnesses. Like, just stab him. What? Yeah. Why? <laughs> there doesn't need to be a ruse. Yeah. Well, I, I, I had and notes you on this later. We stabbed him the first time. Yeah. It's not like he tried to block you the first time, and you went, "Oh, ho, ho, look, yeah. it's just fake," and then you stabbed him. I was going to bring this up later. Yeah, this whole scheme of the, the mime thing. Like Duncan brings the up mime later. Time. Mime time. Uh, Duncan brings up that like the reason the assassin chooses to be a mime is because people lower their guard. And like none of this ever works in the episode. Like these people all had their guards lowered anyway. Like yeah. the one guy was just coming out of a restaurant. Like he could have easily just walked up and shot him anyway. Like yep. th- this this idea of like people lowering their guard didn't really Apply. matter. I mean, it's at like, least in this instance. We'll, yeah. we'll talk later about the flashback where I think it actually does make a difference. But yeah, right. in the present time of these murders, no one need this didn't need to be as complicated as it seems. So in the third one. Um, Duncan just happens to be returning from Cookie Town with his groceries, <laughs> and he sees the mime escaping. Or does he watch, witness the shooting? He hears, the, I think, the he gun. hears the shooting, runs back, and sees the mime trying to escape. And he throws his groceries at yeah, him. He throws like a big baguette. Yeah, <laughs> it's awesome. Well, he is in France, so but the mime like breaks away on this motorcycle, which is pretty cool. Mime cycle. <laughs> I think you just wrote the name of the episode. <laughs> so. We cut after this, and the police are now on the scene investigating. We meet two new cops. Yeah, mm. thank God. What we really needed was more cops. Yep. Right. Uh, so we meet Inspector LeBron. Inspector Bald. Inspector Bald. <laughs> LeBald? <laughs> yeah. And uh, Officer Soul, or Inspector Soul. LeBron is asking Duncan questions about how this went down. Duncan doesn't really have too many answers, I guess, for him, and is, oh, as usual, a little dickish. Yeah. Yep. But then, so LeBron talks about, like, how this murder went down, and he was like, the jihad swore there would be retribution. They would catch that line. <laughs> yeah. What? I missed this. <laughs> yeah, no, he said it, and I wrote it down because I wrote, what? 
Because I guess we're supposed to, at some point, they, they really underplay this, that there was like a terrorist oh, attack yeah. like in the 80s or something like that. So anyway, there's like this terrorist attack by the Jihad, I guess, which is a bunch of white dudes. Um, <laughs> yeah. But in any case, they apparently were responsible for this in some way. And I have no idea what cues him in. Oh, oh it's, it's because the, all the people were connected to it? Right. They all participated uh, in like, the pros- Prosecutor Barrett, he says, Judge Belson, and I don't think they say the third person's name. I didn't get that. Old man. Yeah. <laughs> well, I think it was like the judge, the prosecutor, and like the like the head officer okay. on it was what it was supposed to be. And though it now occurs to me that the jihad, whoever this terrorist organization is, probably hired Kaiwer. Oh, yeah, I think that's probably He's how. just a hired mime. Hired mine. <laughs> I'm the best clown money can buy. Well, here's the other thing. LeBron is an idiot because he's like three killings all by a mime. But how did the killer get to all these three spots in time? And I'm like, there are three fucking killers, you idiot. That doesn't occur to you. Yeah, they're all in disguise, too. It's like it has to be the same person. Like he's genuinely perplexed by this. It's like it's not a great mystery. Also, I'm pretty sure one of these things happened at night and one of them happened during the day. Oh, yeah. So I think the greatest mystery is how Duncan's groceries all made it back in that bag. Yeah. (laughs) Because they're completely undisturbed. And his baguette seems fine. Also, he still wants to eat it because I'm sure it landed on the ground. Yeah. Well, France is known for their clean streets, right? Yeah. Pristine. No. <laughs> it's not. <laughs> also, Detective Inspector Bald maybe provides him with a new one. I don't know. Yeah, he wiped it off for him a little yeah. bit. Speaking of Baldy, is it, did anyone notice like he is dubbed most of the episode? Yeah. Is that what's going on? That's what's going voice? on. And I they, wasn't sure if he was 80-yard or what was going on. I think he's just dubbed, and I think they do this with a number of characters, as we'll see in the second season, because they hire a bunch of French actors, and I think they have a problem that maybe, or maybe they just didn't think they were audible enough. Like, yeah. Because I, I sometimes think Tess's accent is pretty thick. Like, oh, I think yeah. it's totally audible. Like, I don't it's, necessarily it's have a... It's the poetry. The poetry. I don't have a hard time understanding Tess, but maybe they thought for yeah. some of these minor characters, it's like, well, we, we gotta understand think, them more. Do you think this actor is doing his own voice, or do you think it's another actor? I don't know. Uh, I didn't see any, like, IMDb credits. Yeah, on. I don't know how to pronounce his name. Hugh Le Forestier? I'm awful with French pronunciation, so forgive me in these next bunch of episodes, listeners. Yeah, I don't know how to say his name. Sorry. Mm. I'm bad at French in general. I have a hard time. Wee oui, oui. <sighs> See, you're pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> so we're now treated to a pretty entertaining flashback, actually. Yeah. In this moment where... I was just going to say we're at some French dickhead chateau. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this guy's kind of a jerk. Yeah. Uh, but Duncan is acting as a bodyguard for some kind of baron mm-hmm. and is apparently supposed to participate in some kind of negotiations with the English tomorrow. Right. right. So he's an he's like a French dignitary of some kind, and Duncan is his bodyguard. Then these tumblers come in and these performers come out uh, to entertain the crowd, and they kind of bait this baron into performing. The, the guy who happens to be an immortal. And so Duncan doesn't want him to perform, but... Uh, oh, and at first, the, uh, the the Baron invites him over to have a drink with them. And right. so first we see this guy's signature drink, which is absinthe. He pulls out a flask. From the Lucchese family. Right. <laughs> he, he pours himself a glass, and the, the Baron doesn't want to drink any of it. He says, he's like, I don't want madness and death. Two things, I guess. Uh, I mean, it's kind of clever that, I guess, the writers are like, oh, like, immortals can drink absinthe because they won't be adversely affected by it right because uh, the guy even says who wants to live forever who wants to live forever which is fun mm-hmm. uh although i just want to say absinthe does not cause any of those things like that is a complete like myth uh regarding absinthe causing madness wormwood does not really do that sort of stuff to your head or you would have to drink so much wormwood like you would have to drink so much absinthe you would die from alcohol poisoning <laughs> before there was enough like wormwood to like affect your system in any sort of bad way there's all sorts of reasons why these myths came about about absinthe, but this is not absinthe talk. This is Highlander rewatched. So absinthe rewatched. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, don't be afraid of absinthe if you uh, want to try some. Was that the Green Fairy? Is yep, the Green Fairy. Mm. So they bait him into this, like, because this is such a weird line. The Baron's like, "Oh, I used to be a magician back in my day." <laughs> <laughs> so they're like, "Oh, well, why don't you come join us?" 
And Duncan's like, like, yeah, don't do it. Nope, nope, nope. But this guy, they bait him into it by being, by saying like, oh, well, we'll find a younger, healthier man to do (laughs) it. So he takes the bait and joins this thing. Best magic trick ever, I guess, then happens next. Yeah, it's not bad. So I don't know how he does it. Kyler like brings up like a silk, red silk sheet and the two of them are hiding behind it. And then he drops it and Kyler is gone and the Baron just kind of falls over dead with a knife in his back. I don't know how the hell they pull this trick off. Because it's not like, did you build a trap door in this guy's house? Like Like, marble floor? floor? Yeah. Yeah, like how did this happen? It's a room full of people and it's not like you control the space. So (laughs) Kyler must be very good at this. He's I good. guess. And Duncan is very bad at being a bodyguard. Yeah, worst bodyguard ever, Duncan. <laughs> like, he like, should have gone up and been up there with him. Yeah. Don't yeah. let him be out of sight with the guy you know is an immortal that you are actively suspicious of. Yep. But, bad job. But in this so, case, this, this idea of being a mime can help lower people's guards works. Right. Yeah, works very well. It was a good way to illustrate this concept. My big hanging question at the end of this, though, is when the hell is this? Yeah. If we know. Right? Because we know that sometime between... We know that he fought for the British in the Napoleonic Wars. Oh, right. right. So he was actively killing Frenchmen in the early 1800s. Right. And they have to negotiate with the English. So it's like, this could even be the same period. According to the Watcher Chronicles... This is in 1783. 1783. So I guess this guy's going to like help negotiate the end of the American Revolution? I don't know. But it's like a little strange because he was decidedly yeah. on the opposite end of France pretty soon after this. Yeah. yeah that's He's like killing all these guys' kids in yeah. like 20 years. Oh, I met your dad. <laughs> <laughs> Bayoneted. Yep. Uh, so then we come back to the present, and LeBron is finishing up his questioning. And I, I'm only coming back to the scene just because LeBron seems to make this weird comment about, like, a match, like cigarettes and stuff. And oh, yeah. They feel, I feel like they make a big deal of it. He's like, do you have a match? And McLeod's like, I don't smoke. And he's like, really? And it's like, no. And then he asks his, like, Inspector Soul for a match, too. And it's like, they seem to make a big deal out of having a match. And I was like, oh, is this going to be a thing? Nope. No, it's not a thing. I don't know. It's very strange. I feel like they caught a lot of attention to it. Yeah, I feel like this is probably something that ended up on the cutting room floor, but then not all of it. Maybe they need to make it out to 43 minutes right. or whatever. So now we're on the barge. This is our uh, a new location. This, I guess, takes place it takes the place of what the antique store served as in Seacouver. It's a totally uh, sweet location. Oh, it's though. awesome. Yeah. So he's right on the river. There's uh, Notre Dame is in the background. This is, this is sweet. Like, all the filming in Paris is so awesome, just because... The city's beautiful. Like, it's it, it's a step up from Seacouver in every which way possible. Yeah. Yeah. Tess has the barge decorated like a Pier 1 in port. <laughs> <laughs> My only note on this is, is what what is the villain's, villain's name followed by, this barge is fucking sweet. <laughs> <laughs> Good barge covered in but Tess's. So, so Tess is a little worried about this murder. She's like, oh, is, is he coming for you? And he's like, I don't think so, because he's just an assassin. Like, he doesn't play the game like uh, like other people do. Right. You know, I, I'm not on his radar or anything like that. Uh, but then uh, Tess said something I think that was pretty interesting here. She said, I quote, I quote, <laughs> I think this is official. Read this into the record. Uh, when we left the States, I'd hoped the gathering wouldn't find us here. And I was like, oh, this is, again, like the writers have... I think backed off, like, and kind of decontextualized, like, the gathering again. Like, in the last episode, they said the gathering is near at hand, making it, like, maybe not quite then. Like, and then this time they back off even further, and they're like, it wouldn't find us here. And I don't know if if she's just using that term to mean the game, but it's, does that mean now that the gathering is less about a place and more a time? Like, is everyone just kind of, uh, like, they have an impulse now to, like, if they were out of the game, they want to be in the game now. Like, they, mm. you know, like everyone's kind of drawn to, like, wrap things up. I think that's got what it's got to be, just because they're not in the place where in the movies we know the gathering happens. Right. So, like, it can't be that. It's pro- I think it is just that everyone's, like, more active or, like, drawn together. Or maybe there's that, uh, you know, the mini tournament idea that we had. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, can Duncan win the French bracket? Find <laughs> out. Uh, well, here's my thought about, like, Tess thinking there might not I mean maybe this isn't what she means like um, I would think that there would be more or at least older immortals in Europe than in America just because Europe's Europe and it's been around 
for so long. I, I don't would know. I think so too, because anyone who's ancient, who's coming from like most of these civilizations, like there were the population in like the old world would have been an order of magnitude higher than in the Americas. So yeah, I, that makes a lot of sense to me, but this would be where the old badasses hang. The old badasses. Like Darius, who is, of course, <laughs> yeah, hanging out in France. Yeah, quite an old badass. Richie brings in this hideous giant bust of Napoleon that he got at a, he says, a, a flea market. And he, he calls it a barge warming present, which I thought was <laughs> fantastic. Uh, I actually thought this whole exchange was really great, like, because obviously Tess hates it. And she's like, uh, she's like, he's like, don't you like it? She's like, it's very historical yeah. <laughs> uh, i don't know again i think they're the writing it's not like great humor or anything but it's it's fun it's fun well it's just they're they're finding a voice for people like yeah richie is not annoying in this scene like he is actually kind of funny yeah. and you know he kind of has a rapport He's with sweet. everyone yeah um so richie is loving paris and so we should, we should play a clip of what richie thinks of uh the french ladies gay paris you know i have a very strange feeling that paris and i are going to be quite good for each other if you guys know what I mean. I think it's something about the Parisians. You know, they're so very, very, very French. It's, it's, uh, they, they carry automatic weapons. <laughs> <laughs> what? Mac, go to what? face He's like putting forks on the table and he just goes like, uh. He looks so defeated. He's like, now I have to go deal with some Frenchmen with automatic weapons. <laughs> very, very French, those Parisians. Nice warm barge. Yeah, also another Canadian tuxedo uh, ah. being worn by Richie. He's, he's got the denim on denim. He's rocking it. Yeah. So Duncan goes to investigate what's going on here. And it turns out these dudes with automatic weapons are cops. Which, the worst cops ever. Oh, yeah. They don't sneak up well at all. And, yeah, he, he and, dispatches all of them. And what the fuck is he doing? Like, why are they, <laughs> why are they like, trying to raid this boat? Why doesn't yeah. someone just go up and knock? Knock on the door? It's like, hey, here's this witness who cooperated with you. Let's go try to shoot him. Yeah, what is their plan? They're Are they trying to have, like, a stakeout? Well, LeBron Does might... he think Kyler's going to show up there? LeBron might think that McLeod is involved because of the last incident. Because LeBron, turns out, remembers where he thought he saw McLeod before. Did we say that? That LeBron... That, that is happening in this scene that we're talking about. Yeah. I think, yeah, he mentions that he, he seems to remember him from right. another time. So then we have a flashback. This is a great flashback. This is the yeah. first time we flashback, like, not far. It's like... No, not the first, but it's, it is a great flashback. Because we flashback in the episode with Walter Reinhardt, Revenge is Sweet. We flashback, like, one year. Oh, yeah, I to, guess so. Uh... The, the fight on New Year's. Right. So we flash back to 1980, and so we get to see 1980s Duncan, which is pretty sweet. Which yeah. is mullet denim Duncan. Yep. Yeah. He looks like a sail- like he was like a sailor or something. He's got yeah. like a vest. He's, yeah, he's like a stevedore or something. He's like working on the docks. Or... Yeah. Um, so him and Reinhardt. Oh, he has a leather vest. Did you say that? No, I did not say yeah. that. <laughs> Duncan's wearing a leather vest. I thought it was denim. No, I think oh, he, I, I think Gaiman's right. It's it's oh. leather. So he's not mullet denim, Duncan. He's he does. He is. He's wearing. He is wearing denim also. <laughs> so they reveal at some point that I guess Kyler has murdered the president of a bank or something. Yeah. yeah. And so somehow Duncan is involved in this plot, yep. and he's fighting Kyler, and he only, he doesn't have a sword. He has a pipe. He has a pipe. So they go at it in this like glass tower, which is kind of cool. Looking. The room is and awesome. I don't know what it is. I don't know what it's supposed to be. Another awesome yeah. location that they found though. They must have just have like really good like location scouts on this. Like, I don't know what it is, but they, they're like pretty close to batting a thousand on this show in terms of finding. Yeah. They cool find good places, spots, especially to shoot these fights. And this fight is kind of cool. Yeah. Cause it's yeah. like kind of asymmetric, like Duncan way off his game. Cause he doesn't have a sword. Here's a quick question, though. Why does Kyler not waste him from jump? Because, like, Kyler... Duncan kind of runs up some spiral stairs into this cool glass building. And Kyler's there. We see him kind of for the first time without his makeup. Yeah. He's wearing, like, a white scarf. And Kyler basically has his sword, like, on Duncan's throat. Like, it's essentially resting there. And then he's like, well, there can be only one. And he, like, cranes his arm way back. And Duncan, of course, just basically walks out of the way. (laughs) Why doesn't he just, like, move his wrist, like, half an inch and, like, cut Duncan's throat? 
and then cut his head off. Like, what was the... Like, it makes, like, this giant dramatic flourish, so of course Duncan gets away. But anyway, and, <laughs> and ran about that one. <laughs> so then Duncan, you know, fights him with the pipe and then runs away, and he jumps through a plate glass window, and he basically runs into lebrun's car are you like on the hood or something yeah he's like right smashes through the window and then like flips over the car yeah like the young not yet baldy is like oh oh hi yeah and then they like have like a moment of staring at each other and then duncan bolts bolts yeah (laughs) so as duncan runs away he ends up jumping on a tour boat and tess is the the tour guide the tour guide boat captain tessa (laughs) yep Yeah, she's got a very whole, nautical episode. All get up going. Uh, so let's play the clip of them meeting. I guess this magic moment. <laughs> this magic moment. What do you think you're doing? Uh, I didn't want to miss the tour. Is this the way you always make an entrance? I didn't make an impression. You have, bravo. You could have been hurt. There's another boat in 15 minutes. I wanted this one. Not captured here is Duncan being a total condescending asshole and like mansplaining to Tess <laughs> when the Notre Dame Cathedral was built. Also, he's shouting at her during this tour, and none of the other people on this tour are looking at him. Like, <laughs> right. being like even when he jumps on the boat and like yeah. hops over the rail. Nobody no one cares. pays any yeah. attention to him, but Tess. So, yeah. The- I, I like the way he explains when Notre Dame was built. Or not, I mean, he explains it by telling her the correct date, but she's so appalled. She's like, how do you know? And it's like, because you're wrong. You're just wrong. Like, she just flat out says the wrong date. Like, Is that, I mean, I didn't go back and look it up. Is oh, yeah. Right? Like, it's not like, it's not like they retconned the, the actual build. Like, Duncan has some secret inside information because he's really old. And he's like, ah, oh, they didn't really finish it then. I was there. Like, I saw they weren't quite done yet. It's like, no, she just says, like, straight up the wrong date. And Duncan's like, no, wrong date. And she's like, how do you know that? It's like, well, because you're just wrong. Like, I just read it. Like, <laughs> in a book. In a book. <laughs> but I got, I, this scene's cute. I don't know. Duncan's yeah, got puppy fun. dog eyes. Why would it's adorable. You, yeah. Why would you like him in this? I don't know. Like, if some guy came to where I worked and, like, disrupted everything yeah. and then... <laughs> Yelled at me. Yeah, <laughs> like, it's, like, it's like, hey, I'm going to move across the world with you. Yeah, love at first sight. Yep. Or first bite because he was eating pretzels. Ugh, sorry. So back on the barge in present present day, Richie's trying to set up his, his stupid bust. And I guess it works out. This time, Duncan actually does have, like, insider info that could help with this investigation. Like, we talked about in, what was the episode? See No Evil, where mm-hmm. there was the serial killer. And it was like Duncan didn't provide any sort of like special insight into that. Like nope. he just knew all the stuff the cops like. It's not like he knew the mind of the killer really or anything like that. In this one, Duncan's the only person that actually knows what Kyler looks like. Because in is, that flashback, he actually did get to see him without makeup. Right. right. So that's the, like the Duncan advantage in this. And again, he's not quite telling the police, which I'm not sure why. But yeah. Uh, and well, he kind of does. He says he admits that he could identify the guy. Right. And but he doesn't want to describe him, I guess. Yeah, well, he does kind of describe him as well. So like, he's not really holding out. I mean, he doesn't say, like, he's an immortal and I fought him in a weird glass thing ten years ago. But Richie doesn't really believe that Duncan has a lead. He says to Duncan, the CIA and the Intergalactic Space Patrol can't find him. <laughs> but Duncan McLeod can. What? <laughs> what does so- that mean? Yeah, also, you're not in the United States, so... Yeah. Why are you concerned with the CIA? And the Intergalactic Space Patrol? Like, what is this about? That's not a thing. You're not in space. What the fuck are you talking about? So, Duncan realizes a way to kind of track down Kyler is he gets out a phone book, and he's looking up specialty liquor shops in Paris. And he thinks that the way to get them is through absinthe, which he knows is his signature drink. And so he needs to find someone that deals in absinthe. Which, at this point in... French history is illegal. Yes. Why is it illegal? 
Because we're back to, back to Ab- welcome to Absinthe Talk. Uh, Absinthe rewatched. <laughs> yep. Uh, no, uh, Absinthe was made illegal. I guess it was shortly after the French Revolution. Um, and there, there's a lot of weird reasons. Like they blamed it on people being crazy. Like it would make people crazy. Hmm. But part of the reason is 19, I think it was 1915 was the official ban. Oh, the official ban. Was the official ban? Oh, 1915 thought- to 2011. Wow. Maybe some bad press after the French Revolution. I, I, it was associated with, like, Bohemians. Exactly, like, yeah, rebels. the Bohemians would drink it. Um, there's also some other, like, theories that uh, at the time, the um, the French winemakers, there was, like, a big uh, a drought, and so wine production went really down, and absinthe became, like, the cheapest drink. And so everybody started drinking absinthe, and it was a way for the Fr- like the, the winemakers were trying to retaliate to gain back their business. So they started all these rumors about... The, the the things that absinthe could do to you, all this stuff. There's a there's a legendary story about some guy that like just drank shot after shot after shot of absinthe. Like the story goes that like the bartender like was keeping track of how much this guy was drinking. Uh oh it wasn't he wasn't doing shots and shots of absinthe. He was just drinking, 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 drinking. And the very last thing he drank was a shot of absinthe. And then he went home and murdered his whole family. And they apparently brought that up at the trial, that it was like, look what Absinthe made this guy do. It's like, well, the guy was completely blasted. Uh, so yeah. there's a lot of like myth and lore about Absinthe and Wormwood and all this stuff. It also does get you completely blasted, though, because it is incredibly alcoholic. Yeah. Like, it is a very strong drink. So he finally comes across a, uh, a, 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 a liquor specialty shop where he can get some of the good stuff. Yeah, on the sly, because obviously it's illegal at this point. Right. So he kind of describes Kyler to to this guy and then kind of ingratiates himself with him and gets the guy to kind of spill the beans on when Kyler's going to be back next to, to pick up a, a fresh supply. Then we cut to Kyler's base of operations, which is in a mannequin warehouse. Right. It's awesome. <laughs> I loved this. I was really as soon as I saw it, I was like, "They're gonna fight here." I'm really excited about it. I thought it was super cool, huh. and it it fits in really well with Duncan's earlier speech about Kyler. It's like he's not really a fighter; like he's an assassin. He uses trickery. He uses all these different things, and it's like this is perfect because this will be his opportunity if he was ever gonna fight Duncan. This is how he'd have to do it. Hmm. Yeah, and it's creepy. It's super creepy. It's like yeah. horror movie shit. <laughs> yeah it is creepy there's a really good uh stanley kubrick movie that has a sequence uh a really early one with all these mannequins very similar Ooh. i forget what it's called look that up folks so they're basically he's having a meeting with his mime henchmen and a police mole turns out that inspector soul is yeah, a mole. No good and he's working started causing trouble in this neighborhood <laughs> and you're welcome uh <laughs> So he comes and kind of rats on the investigation, and that's how they find out that McLeod is out there and can ID them. Right. Right. So his goon tries to assassinate Duncan. Poorly. Very, very poorly. He very drives up on a motorcycle, attempt. and he ends up shooting LeBron in the arm? Yep. Uh, yeah, yeah, in the arm. And Duncan kind of administers some first aid or whatever until an ambulance comes by. So we, we're now back in the mannequin factory again, and Kyler is livid at this guy for uh, attempting to kill Duncan because obviously Kyler knows it was he wasn't gonna succeed, and because he also even failed to kill LeBron. And there's this kind of cool scene where like you think he's gonna forgive him, and then yep. he ends up plugging him, and he calls this like this giant domino rally with <laughs> yeah. all the the mannequins. It's kind of <laughs> I wanted to mention um, a funny conversation that. Duncan and Tess have together. Uh, I guess at some point Tess breaks off screen the bust of Napoleon, and oh, Dun- yeah. and Duncan is like, "We should just tell Richie the truth that you smashed it because you hated it." <laughs> and Tess is all upset. She's like, "No, it was an accident. I knocked it off the table." And then she says, "Anyone who has any taste in art would hate it." And I was just like, "This is coming from Tess." <laughs> I think we can go on record: the world's like worst artist ever. She's like, "Anyone who has any taste in art would hate this garbage." Spray painted donuts. That is the height of art. What is this marble looking bust? <laughs> this is metallic silver at all. <laughs> so then, I guess the detective Baldy is injured. Badly. Yep. And I guess this bullet shattered his arm, he says. And yeah. he makes it seem like he is going to be down for the count. Right. Forever and ever. He's not very grateful 
to McLeod for saving his life. He's in fact a huge asshole. Yeah. Like this oh, guy yeah. is just a jerk, frankly. Like he shows up at the house with like to threaten him with assault weapons. Yep. He's constantly on his case and now he's like saying like I'll never be like chief of police now. <laughs> right. Because my arm is hurt. Yeah. No one wants a police chief who can't hold a gun. A, you've got two hands. B, <laughs> if the chief of police is ever holding a gun, huge problem. Yeah. <laughs> Why does the chief of police need the gun? It's kind of a desk job. Yep. <laughs> but yeah. regardless, also, why isn't the story Hero Cop saves French artist? Yeah. <laughs> or saves witness in murder case, yeah. which is yeah. what Duncan is. Yeah. So all I'm saying is this works out pretty well for you. Quit being a dick. Yep. There's there's a weird interstitial scene that I love when they just cut away to other like just nonsense. They cut away from like this discussion and it's just Kyler. He pours himself a shot of absinthe, drinks it, and they cut away. <laughs> <laughs> it's just like, ah, what's happening? Like, there was no point. To continue with the theme of absinthe rewatched. Oh, wasn't the album absinthe was always every time he poured it was always like pale and cloudy. Yes, but you need to like actually add like the sugar and like and the the water, water. is what makes it cloudy. Like yeah, so for those non absinthe, for this really is becoming an absinthe episode. <laughs> uh, so absinthe is usually pretty clear. Uh, it's like usually a dark to light green, uh, and then when you add water to it, it's what's called the uh, the luge effect, and it gets cl- like a milky cloudy color, uh, and that's because certain. Jesus, that's because certain <laughs> compa- compounds are only alcoholic compounds are only water soluble, not alcohol soluble. So when you add the water, they like come to life essentially. Um, so that's why it has that sort of like fantastic, you know, light green color. But yeah, his his absinthe is always light green and it's always milky. It's like it's not right. Yeah, somebody just like saw it once and was like, oh yeah, yeah, we can make something that looks like that. Yeah, it's probably just milk and like yeah, <laughs> water and green food dye mixed together. Mm. <laughs> let's have a nice glass of that after recording kyler goes to get re-up on some absinthe and the the shop owner's like oh i hope your friend liked his absinthe referring to mcleod and kyler's like what <laughs> yeah for a guy engaged in illegal enterprise he's pretty loose-lipped about this whole thing yeah well i guess he's trying to explain to us like both of them are in illegal enterprises getting this absinthe i guess he was being like, oh, I know your other friend who buys illegal booze. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so Kyler's now wise and leaves and sees McLeod at a church across the street. Where he was camped out because the guy had previously told him he'd be there on that day to yeah, so pick up his order. Mac's been staking the place out. So he gets some backstory on Kyler. Uh, he's an assassin. He's been one for a long time. It's the thing he excelled at most. He said he, used to, he, he wanted to be a singer but just wasn't quite good enough. So. so instead he killed 2,760 people. Yep. <laughs> That's a lot. That's just mortals. How many, who knows how many more immortals he got. Yeah. And then he threatens to murder like children across yep. the street. Yeah. So he's, you know, super evil. Yeah. I mean, if killing bad. for money wasn't enough, <laughs> also, this is also bad. Duncan's wearing a white turtleneck and Kyler has a black turtleneck on. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, and then there's another weird interstitial scene. Sorry, there's, there's a bunch of these. Sorry, I always note these. So uh, Duncan and Tess end up having this conversation where Tess is like, I want to cancel my board presentation. He's like, we have to keep living our lives. That's the whole scene. It's like, okay, yeah. great, boring. And then they cut to uh, Kyler in the, the mannequin warehouse, and he just cuts the head off a mannequin. And yep. then they cut back. So they're just these, like, vaguely threatening scenes they throw in. Like, I think they, they thought they had, like, cool imagery, which it is cool. It's like, oh, him cutting the head off a mannequin is, yeah, like, that's cool. a fun image. But they never put it into some sort of, like, context yeah. or something. So they just shot this stuff. And they're like, yeah, we'll just throw it in there. It's a way to, like, transition from, I guess, unrelated scenes. Yeah, it's weird. So Inspector Trader comes to the barge. And it's like, oh, come with me. LeBron wants to see you. <laughs> yeah, and Max just, he gives himself away because Mac mentions Kyler's drinking. And Soul's like, yeah, well, that absent or whatever. Yeah, he's know. like, that'll, that'll kill him. Yeah. So it's, This is the dumbest guy ever. <laughs> right? yep. Like, why would Mac know this? Why would you share it? Like, you, uh, it's the worst henchman ever. People just 
people at this show just need to keep their mouths shut ever. Nope. I mean, I know that's not the best TV, I guess, but everyone just like, <laughs> but just like being a blabbermouth is like a plot device. Yep. It's just that, like, it's like the movie liar liar. <laughs> so, <laughs> so Soul drops off Mac at the mannequin warehouse. Yep. Uh, and then he drives away, and then he gets Soul gets confronted by uh, LeBron. LeBron, and they square off with each other, and he's like, "Where did you take Mac?" And he's like, what makes you think I took him anywhere? And he screams. He's like, because I put a radio transmitter on your car. Yeah. And it's, a, it's I don't know, I thought it was funny. He <laughs> threatens, he threatens Soul with life imprisonment. <laughs> Earlier in the episode, he threatens Duncan with life imprisonment. And he threatens people with this again and again and again <laughs> on these episodes that he's on. Then he's, so then he doubles down. He says, he's like, not only that, like we found the money in your Swiss bank account. <laughs> right. Which... No, you didn't. <laughs> yeah, how do they find it? And is isn't that the point of a Swiss bank account? That is the whole goddamn point. <laughs> is that if you ask the Swiss government for these bank records, they tell you to pound sand. Like, <laughs> that is why they exist. Because there would not be Swiss bank accounts in the sense that we think of them if they just gave it up to anyone who asked. Like mm. that would defeat the entire purpose. But this guy's such a boob anyway. Yeah. He'd go, "Oh, do I have a Swiss bank account? <laughs> I do have a bank. Is it in Switzerland?" <laughs> <laughs> So, so Kyler and Duncan end up having a, a fight in the mannequin factory. Yep. Uh, Kyler's wearing like a leather studded jacket. Like, <laughs> yeah. He's got this like weird punk rock mime. <laughs> punk rock mime. Thing going on. <laughs> Another I... better episode title. Yeah. <laughs> punk rock mime. It's very funny to me. <laughs> Can that be a movie, Punk Rock Mime? Yep. <laughs> It'll be, it's up there with an undercover. Yeah. yeah. So they have a fight. They, they're they cutting up mannequins left and right, and they use the same shattering sound over yeah. and over and over and over. I'll go on record. I hate this fight. I don't like this one at all. I think this is maybe one of the weakest fights we have had. Uh, it's, like, really anticlimactic. I don't think there's, like, any tension. Like, they just kind of swing swords at each other. Then just Duncan puts the blade to Kyler's neck, and, he's, and he just he shrugs. I, I remember this vividly. Duncan has the blade to Kyler's neck. He shrugs and then chops his head off. He's <laughs> like, whoops, sorry, bud. <laughs> and that's kind of it. Like, I, I don't know. I, I feel I, like they could have at least included some dialogue. Like, there was no real dialogue. Like, I, I didn't think there was a lot of, like, tension built up in this. Especially after seeing the Grayson fight, which is so great. Yeah. So I agree and I disagree. Uh, I loved the location. I thought that this was a cool idea for them to play with. I, f- I feel like they just ran out of time. Like if we had not Maybe. spent so many time, so much time on these like interstitial cuts of like yeah. him drinking absinthe, we would have had more time here. And I feel like they just needed to play up this trickery element more. Like yeah. it'd be cool to actually see Kyler get the upper hand on him, and that could have been a good source of tension, mm-hmm. or really draw out how long it was before they started fighting. Like the the fight starts, they have like a a very brief kind of face-to-face interaction. It would have been much cooler if that didn't happen and Duncan was just kind of wandering around this mannequin factory and the whole time you're waiting for Kyler to appear, maybe milk that moment, or just have like a bunch of very short, brief, actual sword contacts and then he's just back hiding and, you know, using some actual trickery here because mm-hmm. that was kind of the, the point of the whole thing that they had set up of how this guy fights. And I think that could have, that was fertile ground for yeah. them to play with. They do it a teeny tiny bit, but like they just kind of didn't commit to it or didn't give it the time you need to develop a fight like that into something interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think uh, Kyler could have been a really, like, as silly as this mime thing is, he could have been a cool villain just based on his, like, deception and all that sort of, like, the trickery. Yeah, it could have been good. Yeah, and I wish, part of me almost wishes that they didn't quite marry so hard to the mime thing. Like, maybe that's just, that's like a theme and variation. Like, the mime is one example of how yeah, he does Yeah, just in that this. one instance he was a mime, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. Like, that served his purpose, and in other instances, he's whatever he needs to be. A right. clown. A clown. <laughs> or a sports mascot. <laughs> <laughs> Duncan wins pretty pretty easily. <laughs> Quickening, some mannequins blow up. Yeah, so Duncan runs off. He takes Kyler's sword, yep. books it out of there. Once again, this entire cop plot just comes completely unraveled. Like, it's just, once again... A lantern is hung on just how silly it is because Detective Baldy comes back <laughs> and is just and is 
like he's saying like oh like we found Kyler with how was the mannequin factory like his head was chopped off yeah blah blah, blah. and he says something to the effect and Soul says you were there and Duncan's like oh I don't know and why like, do you Tess- believe him now yeah and like Tess comes in and like vouches for Duncan's whereabouts and Q-Ball's just like oh well I can't prove it like you win this round (laughs) but I know you decapitated this man in a fucking factory (laughs) yeah it's like I was just like no wonder you couldn't catch Kyler you're the worst fucking detective on the planet you were terrible at this (laughs) look like think about this he's got a decapitated body He's got a witness who says that he dropped McLeod off there. You already <laughs> knew that he had chased Kyler in the past and was connected to this incident. Like, you've got all this evidence. You could absolutely do things like that actual cops do. Like, I don't know, <laughs> get a warrant. Yeah. <laughs> or apparently warrants don't matter that much to you if you were willing to jump his barge with armed guys with automatic <laughs> weapons anyway. Like, maybe you don't even play by the rules, but you could. Yeah. <laughs> like, you could absolutely search this thing and what do you think you're gonna find oh this guy's got multiple swords <laughs> oh oh my oh it's just all he needs is a black light and duncan is fucked <laughs> so i was just it's like this cop thing just has to go yeah because yeah. it just like they're they're not it's not tight enough that duncan is actually outfoxing them but like the cops just keep bellying up like he's not outsmarting them in any way yeah no well, this is the guy that couldn't figure out there could be more than one mime. So Right. <laughs> <laughs> he couldn't mime his way out of a paper bag. <laughs> so then he escorts LeBrun out. Duncan seems kind of exasperated. And then he goes, <laughs> cheers. <laughs> See, and I thought that was funny. Yeah. Uh, oh, it's just one extra side note. Not only does LeBron think he decapitated this man, he has a good reason to think that Duncan is a goddamn terrorist. Right. Right? Because of the connection to the earlier incident and the fact that he happens to be around during the assassination of the dignitaries related to that incident. So, like, you have every incentive in the world. Like, this is... (laughs) Like, you have reason to think this is one of the most dangerous men in Paris. And you're like... (laughs) Yeah, well, you beat me this round, guy. I'll get you next time. Yeah, this was a fun episode, I think. Yeah. All in all, pretty good. I don't have too much behind-the-scenes stuff. The only thing is from the Watcher Chronicles, which just says Kyler was born in 1639 in Munich. So he's kind of old. Huh. That's about it. So. Very good. This has been Absinthe Rewatched. Yeah. A lot of Absinthe facts in this one. A lot of mime action. So you actually, you all only got to see half the episode too, because we've actually been miming the entire <laughs> conversation. Right. Oh, we should, yeah, we should have mimed everything. <laughs> we did mime everything. All mime, you. all the time. All mime. <laughs> Another better episode title than for evil's sake. <laughs> awesome. Well, uh, make sure if you're out there, if you're out there, you're out there, you're hearing us in your ears. <laughs> It's like I'm calling the stars. If you're out there. Uh, anyway, follow us on Facebook, uh, Highlander Rewatched, on Twitter at The Rewatchers, and on Instagram at Highlander Rewatched. Um, if you have any comments for this episode or others, uh, make sure to share them with us, and we'll read them on air. You can email us at HighlanderRewatched at gmail.com. And once again, follow us on Facebook. That's the, the big one where we post all sorts of pictures, clips. Uh, and you get to interact with other Highlander fans from around the world. Um, actually, I, I want to do like a shout out to like everybody from around the world who listens to this. It's like pretty cool. Uh, like everyone who interacts on the Facebook page, like we have people from France, Germany, the UK, Colombia. We have some <clears throat> Japanese listeners too. Obviously, some here in America. Uh, yeah, it's really cool. I mean, Highlander's one of those shows that has like a true international audience, uh, unlike a lot of other shows. So it's pretty neat. Thanks, guys. Yeah, yeah. we rep- we appreciate you. Yeah, very cool. I know, we hit uh, 500 likes on Facebook Woo. this week, and, or last week, or whenever it was. But that was pretty cool. So thanks, everybody, for that. And we'll see you next week for Tomorrow We Die. Thanks for listening. Bye. See ya. I can't like it. <laughs> <laughs> Stop. <laughs> I love him. Ugh.